Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for wrapping up your week with us. This is your Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today, which is, of course, a sports ethos presentation. My name is Joe Orico, and I'm your host. You can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Make sure you check out EthosFantasyBB when you get a second and hit the follow button. That is where all of our new baseball, fantasy baseball content gets dropped. And it's just going to keep ramping up now as the calendar has flipped to 2023 and draft season is fully here. Fantasy football is done. Basketball is about halfway through. Hockey is about halfway through. Pretty soon, baseball is going to be the only sport out there for fantasy. You guys want to get ahead of the curve? Go follow Sports Ethos and Ethos Fantasy BB over on Twitter. Never miss any of our stuff. Now, today we are really starting with our preseason content technically. <clears throat> I know we've kind of mixed in some here and there already. We did the ADP and strategy show with Matt Williams. We've done SP reviews and RP reviews and every other position. We've done them all now. Uh, and that's kind of like look back slash look forward a little bit. Now we are fully in the look forward mode of the year where we're going to be talking strictly about 2023 stuff. Now, of course... We'll still reference players' past, what they did this year, what they did in years prior. But we're fully starting to look at next season now, and I have my catcher rankings just about done. We're going to do the first half of them today. We're going to do the second half of them on Monday. And we're going to just talk about where I deviate from the ADP numbers that we've seen, where I'm crazy, where you guys might agree with me, that sort of thing. We're going to go through the top 15 of them today, and we're going to start off with the top two. And I think every single person who has rankings of any kind, in terms of catchers, in terms of anything, would have these two guys ranked right at the top of their lists. JT Real Muto and Dalton Varsho. No surprise there for me anyway. This one was uh, what I was planning on doing throughout the entire offseason, having Real Muto and Varsho as one and two now, their price has definitely changed over the course of the offseason. If you look at every draft, every draft champions, I should say, because there's other weird ones like the Gladiator that are a little bit strange where you draft no bench, there's no in-season pickups at all, and that alters strategy and by default alters ADP. We're not looking at that. We're looking at draft champions. That's the closest thing you can kind of use right now in terms of, you know, once the season gets started, it's the best ADP that you can be looking at on the NFBC site at nfc.com. But if you look at the entirety of draft champions, which is 52 of them, JT Real Muto's ADP is 32, just shy of 33, and Dalton Varsho is just about at 49. Now, if you move that up to December the 1st through now, that 32 and 48 becomes 27 and 39. So the price is getting more expensive on these two guys. Now, in terms of the overall price, I am going to do overall rankings as well. Not sure how deep we're going to go with them. Maybe 300 or so, 250 to 300. We'll see. We'll see what I'm able to do because I like I've said a couple days ago on the pod 
This isn't my full-time thing. I know it's nobody's real full-time thing. I'm going to try and make as much time as I can. I'm about to be heading back to school as a full-time student, and there's also other life things as well. We're going to do what we can. I mean, the rankings are going to be there, just a matter of how deep they are going to go. We're going to have each position we're going to talk about and then an overall ranking. This show and the next couple that we do talking about positional rankings, we're not going to really talk about the overall so much. Here and there, we'll touch on it a little bit. Like, I think Real Mudo is maybe becoming a little bit overpriced at this point in the second round. We're going to you know, mention little things like that, but the overall rankings that I do will come out at a later date. Today, we're just going to talk about the actual position. And Real Mudo and Varsho at 1 and 2 makes about as much sense as I can you know, figure to make at this position, or I think really anybody. And I think it generally extends down to Will Smith at number three as well. That's where it is for ADP in terms of draft champions. And you have Adley Rutschman and Salvador Perez pretty close behind in terms of ADP. Now, I also have Adley Rutschman as my fourth catcher, and then it starts to deviate. But we can talk about the top four here altogether because that's, you know, the way that ADP is breaking down anyway. Real Mudo, Varsho, Smith, and Adley Rutschman. Now, the top two are in a different tier than the other ones. I think that Real Mudo and Varsho, and this is not exactly a hot take, are the two best catchers you can have for fantasy, given the fact that they steal you a good amount of bases. Now, there's a couple other guys we are going to talk about today. You know, MJ Melendez is one of them. He'll steal you some bases. You might get some from Wilson Contreras. Kybert Ruiz might give you one or two. But in terms of double-digit stolen base threat, it's Varsho and it's Real Mudo. And in terms of what they're going to give you this year compared to what they gave you last year, it's really hard to say. Both of them exceeded expectations in the steals column last year. It was 21 from Real Mudo, and I believe it was 16 from Varsho. When you filter by catchers, uh, as a side note, on Fangraphs looking at stats from last year, Varsho doesn't even come up, interestingly enough. But it was 21 for Real Mudo, and I believe it was 16 for Dalton Varsho. That was probably a little more than we were expecting from either of them. This year, they're projected for 13 and 12, respectively. 13 for Varsho, 12 for Real Mudo. Now, I'm not doing projections of my own because I am not smart enough math-wise to be able to do that. I mean, I could just say, you know, look at different numbers and say, ah, oh, he's going to hit 21 and he's going to drive in 74 and just kind of rough it off the top of my head. I'm not going to be doing that. There are tons of projection systems out there. In terms of the rankings, I'm looking at different projections. I'm looking at ADP a little bit, and I'm also using my own gut for them. But I'm not going out here and saying guys are going to put up specific numbers of steals because I'm not really – I'm not mathematically inclined enough to put these numbers through systems and, you know, there are tons of people, there's tons of projections that do that for you. You have the bat, you have zips, you have steamer, you're going to have ATC coming out pretty soon, which is going to aggregate all of them. There's a ton of stuff you guys can look at in terms of the projections. For me, I'm going to be ranking the players, but we're not going to be talking about the specific stats that I do expect from them. I'll give you a rough range here and there. But in terms of the steals, I think that it's probably generally correct what they are projected for. They're coming down a little bit based on what we saw last year, and I, and I think that's generally correct. We saw kind of an outlier steal season from both of them, and I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see it come down. Regardless of that, though, the fact that they still have that double-digit steal potential, Real Mudo and Varsho are the guys that I have ranked above the rest. Now, I, I think that that's going to be something you see on pretty much every list. You might see Varsho go to number one. I saw, I think it was Todd Zola who put out on Twitter that he was going to put Dalton Varsho as the number one. Like when the Varsho trade went down, he said something along the lines of, Varsho is now the number one catcher, or we have a new number one fantasy catcher. I still think it's going to be Real Mudo, despite the fact that I think it's going to be pretty close. If you look at their projections, relatively close. I'd give the edge to Real Mudo because he's likely going to give you a higher batting average, and everything else is going to be pretty close to a wash, likely. So it's going to be Real Mudo for me. He's the closest thing to a five-category 
catcher that there is. You know, he's a good batting average to go along with everything else. That lineup is going to be really nice with Trey Turner, even though it is going to be missing Bryce Harper for a little while. And I think overall, I'm going to have a little more faith in him. Not to say I don't trust the Blue Jays lineup. I think it's very good. But if I had to pick between one or the other, I think Real Mudo is the guy that I would go for there. And it's pretty close, but we'll, we'll go with him. Followed by Varsho. And then we got Will Smith and Adley Rutschman again. Not really deviating from what the general consensus is. These guys are projected to be, by ADP, the third and fourth catchers based on people drafting right now. Will Smith is projected, for me, I think might be... a shade high of what I would probably expect him to do in that lineup this year. 74 runs, 82 RBIs. It's not that he's not capable of doing that and hasn't done it in the past. I just talked about even as you know as recently as yesterday how I'm a little bit skeptical about the Dodgers being that good again this year. So I think the RBIs might go down a little bit for him. But overall, you're still talking about a solid four-category guy in Will Smith. He's going to give you the home runs. He's still going to give you runs and RBIs that are excellent relative to most catchers. And he's going to hit for a decent average. He's been a 260 roughly hitter for his career. That will play for any catcher, specifically when you're also getting the other stats that you're getting out of him. So Will Smith, for me, uh, no question, uh, he's going to be the third catcher off the board. This is where it starts to get a little bit complicated for me in terms of these rankings because Adley Rudgman is the guy that I have as number four. But I think it's a pretty close range here between four and six. And I'm not really, you know, these are the way that it's going to appear when I put it on the website, I think, unless there's any last second changes that I make. But I really do think um, that these guys are all really, really close to one another. And there's a couple other guys later on down that I also think are, are kind of close to one another uh, right after these guys in Wilson Contreras and MJ Melendez. But in terms of Rutschman, Kirk, and Salvi, it's really hard for me to to order them. I ended up going with Rutschman and then Sal, Al, eh, Alejandro Kirk as five and then Sal Perez as six. But I really think that there's not a huge gap between these guys here. You know, none of them are going to give you any stolen bases, really. So that's a wash. Maybe you get a couple out of Adley Rutschman, but it's not something that you'd really expect. Now, with Salvador Perez, the thing that sets him apart a little bit is um, is the home runs. He's probably going to hit more home runs than these other guys. But at the same time, I'm also a little bit worried about the age with him, where it doesn't really affect me with the other guys. He's not that old. He's 33, but he's got a lot of mileage on him. I'm worried about how much he's actually going to be able to stay on the field this year after missing some time this past season. That's part of the concern. Now, in terms of the actual skill set, you're not seeing the high batting average that we saw earlier in his career at this point. It's come down. He's sold out for power a little bit. And I also just don't really trust the lineup as much as I would trust the other guys uh, with Salvador Perez. So for me, that's why he is the lowest of the three. He gives you those home runs. But other than that, I don't really trust him that much. In terms of Rutschman and Kirk, the projections are very close. And you honestly, like the more I look at it, I almost want to put Kirk fourth because they're both really close in their projections. And you know what? As I say it, I think I am going to put Kirk fourth. I I might take some shit for that. But I think that honestly looking at it, Alejandro Kirk, like what he is able to do from the catcher position, he is he is very close to being in that top tier. If he even gave you any steals, I mean, of course, he's not going to with that body type. But if he gave you any steals at all, like he is a potential, I mean, he's four categories solidly there. He's going to hit fourth or fifth in one of the better lineups in baseball, hit you close to 20 dingers, you know, give you 70, 75 runs, RBIs. And he, the thing is, the kicker with him is, he has a potential to hit 300 as a catcher where nobody really else does as far as I can see it. Like, I don't know, can Rutschman get there eventually? Maybe he can. 
but Kirk right now is already like they're projecting him to hit 285 next season. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets there. I think that that's very reasonable to project him to get into that rough kind of range there. Like, what did he hit this past season? He was 285 this year. I would not be surprised if he gets the 300. And the, you know what? It's it's going to be close, and I'll think about it more after I, I finish up here. But And it'll all be available on the website and on Twitter and everywhere else. But I think Alejandro Kirk might end up being the fourth guy for me, and then Rutschman five, and then Salvador Perez six. Just looking at it here, not just based on the projections, which are incredibly close for Kirk and Rutschman, but the fact that Kirk is in a better team, uh, you know, the ballpark is better. You don't have to worry about that that crap out there in right field. And with Rutschman, it's not going to affect him so much. Uh, but you know, as a switch hitter, it'll affect him a little bit. Not not the biggest of concerns. But Kirk does have the better ballpark, the better team. I'm going to put him ahead of him. I, I've decided. I've decided. I'm talking my way through this here. Uh, Alejandro Kirk is going to be put ahead of Adley Rutschman in these rankings. We're talking very close, but uh, I'm going to take him there. And he's going to be one of the guys that I'm really going to be targeting as a side note, just based on his ADP. Uh, pass pick 100 for Alejandro Kirk. I think that that is absolute money. That's based on the recent drafts as well, the 17 that have taken place since the start of December. Uh, Alejandro Kirk, he's going average pick 104, minimum of 88, maximum 120. I think there's great value there. You can get him a little bit later than these other guys, and you're still getting very comparable value. So that's how that's going to play out there. Kirk, Rutschman, and then Salvador Perez in the sixth spot. Apologies for the switch up there. I was looking at these for for quite a bit of time over these last few days, and I would thought about making that switch, but I... You know, if somebody hasn't hit the record button, it just, you know, something made me pull that trigger. So it will be Kirk ahead of Rutschman in these rankings. Now, as we keep going down, I got Wilson Contreras at seven and MJ Melendez at eight. And this is also where I had a bit of a question of who should go ahead of who, because I do think that they are very close. Contreras and Melendez, for me, are, you know, you could flip them around. And even by ADP, Contreras is going at pick just about 102 and Melendez 103, close to 104, uh, roughly with some decimals. Essentially, 101 and 103 is where they're going. Same minimum pick of 77 and the maximum pick, 116 and 119. People view these guys very similarly. Now, I I think part of me worries about using um, the fact that Melendez has outfield eligibility as a piece of the argument. And this is something that I did think about before I was doing these rankings is where are guys going to go who have multi-position eligibility? Is it going to be, am I going to look at this from just the fact of, okay, this is the catcher rankings for catchers, or am I going to look at it as he's a catcher, but he also has outfield eligibility and blah, blah, blah. Like, no, you kind of have to look at every factor there. It is why Dalton Varsho is where he is. Also the fact that he steals bases, that's a huge part of it. But the fact that he also has outfield eligibility is why people are drafting him inside the top 40. I'm not sure they would be if it was just strictly based on catcher. Maybe they would, seeing the way Real Mudo's gone up. But I think you have to consider uh, the multi-position eligibility without putting too much of an emphasis on it. But I do think that that is a reason why Melendez is so high up here uh, in terms of ADP, which is, like we said, 103. And even in terms of my rankings, at, at catcher number eight, I think that that's pretty fair. He's number seven in terms of the ADP and draft champions. The thing with me is I think the projections are a little bit too lofty for him. Uh, they're projecting him for 25 homers, 79 runs, which would lead all catchers, 65 ribbies, and six stolen bases with a 236 batting average. I think that he could maybe get there, but I think it's also a little bit lofty to expect 25 home runs out of him. Like, I don't know if we're going to get quite there. Uh, I still think he's going to be fantastic. I think that he is going to give you like three 
three plus categories, like not even three and a half, really. Like you're going to get the home runs, you're going to get the RBIs, and you're going to get the runs. But then, you know, you can maybe a couple steals, I suppose, because his catcher, those, you know, he's projected for six steals. Assuming he gets that, that would be great. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But from what I recall, let me just take a look. Yeah, he stole two bases this past season. Assuming he does that. I, you know, I'm not really going to be looking at that as a huge factor. It's more like a three-plus category situation with MJ Melendez. Uh, 236 average is what they're expecting. I think that that's totally fair. Overall, I think the projections are a touch high. Like, I'd probably go closer to 20 home runs, maybe 70 runs, 60 RBIs. Like, everything I would take it down a little bit other than the batting average, sure, 236. Like, that, that's fine. There's no reason why you can't hit 236. Last year, he was 217, but he had some weird stuff with splits from what I remember. Let me just pull up his splits because I remember there was something about uh, he didn't hit lefty or he hit lefties very well, but not righties. Let me just take a look here uh, versus lefties. Yeah, he batted 295 versus lefties, and he batted 193 versus righties. He had some of that reverse split stuff going on. So maybe the batting average, likely the batting average does tick up a little bit. I would just be a little bit worried about projecting him to be better than Wilson Contreras because Wilson Contreras is pretty damn consistent. We know what he's going to do pretty much every season, and that's been over the last couple of years on fairly poor teams in Chicago. Now he goes to a much better team in St. Louis. You know that he's going to give you about 20 home runs, and he's going to hit somewhere in the 240, 250 range. Now you're probably going to see a boost in the counting stats, which I don't know if we can really expect out of MJ Melendez. Like in Kansas City, I've talked up their offense quite a bit. I really like what they got going on there. They got some nice young pieces, Vinny P, Bobby Witt, and Melendez. Like that's a nice little trio, a nice little core that they can build around. But I don't think it's better than the St. Louis offense. And I don't think that we should expect him to really be that much better. Um, or that we should expect Melendez to be any better than what we're getting out of Contreras. I think it's pretty close. And given the fact that they're both going at the same pick, I don't think it, it's going to be a huge difference. I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe if you're really set for steals early in drafts, you know, you picked uh, Trey Turner and or you picked a Ramirez and then maybe Bo Bichette in the second round or something like that, and you, you're, not, you're not really worried about steals as much. Maybe those couple steals that you might get out of Melendez doesn't affect you that much in your thought process. You can just look at the more core stats, the homers, the RBIs, and the runs that you're expecting. Of course, batting average as well. But I think that it's going to be overall pretty close between these two guys, between Wilson Contreras and MJ Melendez. So let me just recap what we got so far here. We got JT Real Muto one. We have Varsho at two. We have Will Smith at three. Alejandro Kirk at four. Adley Rutschman at five. Salvador Perez at six. Wilson Contreras at seven. MJ Melendez at eight. Let's keep going here with number nine. It's going to be Tyler Stevenson. Tyler Stevenson is somebody who I have been a big fan of for quite a while. He's somebody who missed most of last season with injuries. I think he played. Let me just pull it up here. He missed, like, yeah, he played 50 games. And in those 50 games, he gave you six homers, 24 runs, 35 ribbies, and a 319 batting average. Now, he gave you a higher strikeout rate and a lower walk rate in those games than we saw the previous year. So there's certain things, right, we have to decide how much we want to look at certain things. Because you can't just look at the batting average and say, oh, well, the batting average is great and ignore the walk rate and strikeout rate just because of the sample size. Like, the sample size is in effect for both things. So both need to be taken into consideration. But the fact that in his previous Cups of Coffee, and we're talking 140 games prior, he's hitting 290, right? He's hitting 294 in those first eight games that he played in the big leagues in 2020, where he hit two home runs in those eight games. And then 132 games in 2021, where he hit 10 bombs, drove in 45, and batted 286. 
we know this is who he is. He's in a great ballpark. He is somebody where you're not really expecting that much out of him, <clears throat> I suppose, just based on the fact that, you know, he's still pretty young. His team around him is pretty shitty. But the skill set is really there for him to have a season kind of similar to what we could see at Alejandro Kirk, hypothetically. Like, you're not going to see probably the same walk and strikeout rates. Maybe you will. Maybe he does go back to that 2021 number. And, I mean, I guess we have to kind of default to that because that's the majority of the sample size that we've seen from him. Uh, 10% walk rate and 18% strikeout rate for the career. It's 9.1% walk rate, 21% strikeout rate. So maybe he does go back somewhere closer to the career average to about what he did in 2021. And then... You know, maybe he could be uh, an Alejandro Kirk type as well a little bit farther down the drafts. Now, he is picked number 11 based on ADP. I have him up at number 9. I think that that's fairly justified based on what he can do based on the ballpark. Overall, got to say, I'm a pretty big fan of Tyler Stevenson. I would not mind at all taking him here. And something I will say as we're like pretty much halfway through this, this, this uh, batch of guys we're going to talk about today I think it's a viable strategy to go to fairly early catchers. Like, get rid of the worry that you have about speculating down the board on an Austin Nola or a Carson Kelly or an Elias Diaz or somebody like that. Get the worry out of your head. Get the catchers locked up fairly early on. You can make up some outfielders. You can make up first baseman. You can make up some pitchers. But it really, as you go down the board, as much as people are saying catchers deep this year is the deepest we've seen catcher, it's not a deep position. Outside of the 15 guys we are going to talk about today, not really much going on. There's a couple of guys here and there that are a little bit interesting, but as a whole, get your catchers early, guys. That's got to be my advice here. If you take away one thing from this video, that would be, or from this podcast, I would say that would be the main one. Now, Sean Murphy comes in at number 10 here for me. I really like Sean Murphy. There's been a lot of talk about whether or not he gets a bump up or a bump down because of going to Atlanta. I think it's fairly neutral. People have made a big to-do about his plate appearances, not going to be the same as what they were last year. They don't need to be what they were last year, you know, 612 of them. You take away 50, 60 of those, you put him in a better ballpark playing for a like a, a complete opposite end of the spectrum. Like you're talking about maybe the worst team in baseball he's on to arguably like a top three or four team in baseball in terms of lineup, in terms of everything. So there's that to consider. The fact that his runs and RBIs are going to go up, the home runs are going to go up in that ballpark. Average is whatever at 245, and you're likely not going to get any steals out of him. You're getting three legit categories out of Sean Murphy. I really like him here. I think that he is pretty close to being with Tyler Stevenson. They'd both be in the same tier for me. The way that I would have it tiered as of right now, it would probably be, honestly, Real Muto and Varsho, and then I'm just debating like Will Smith. Like I guess Will Smith would also be in that first tier. It, it's kind of close, though. He's kind of like in no man's land because he's definitely better than, in my eyes, Rutschman and Kirk and, and Perez and those guys, but he's definitely also behind the other two. Um, probably the first two in one tier, and then Smith maybe on an island on his own, followed by Rutschman, Kirk Perez in another tier, and then Wilson Contreras, MJ Melendez. And then Stevenson and Murphy, I think, are also in a tier together here. Uh, despite the fact that they do different things, I would expect them to have very similar value by season's end. You'll have more home runs at a Murphy. You'll have a higher batting average. And you'll have more counting stats as a whole for Murphy likely, and you're going to have a much better batting average from Tyler Stevenson. I think it's going to be fairly close. But overall, uh, I would have Stevenson just a hair ahead of Murphy, mostly because of that batting average. Like batting average from catchers is usually a negative, a, a negative number. If you're going to get 
you are going to get positive value in that category from Stevenson to go along with, you know, it doesn't have to be the greatest home run total, even if it's like what they're projecting, 15 to go along with what are they projecting for runs, 58 and 63 for runs and RBIs for me. And that's enough, not even just <clears throat> not even just to base this off of projections, but if you're just looking at that alone, uh, I think it's fairly close between the two of them. And overall, you know, there is a part of this when you do rankings that you have to factor in your own thoughts and your own biases and whatnot. For me, uh, I would have Stevenson just a touch ahead of Sean Murphy. Now let's talk about the next couple of guys. We have William Contreras for me at number 11. I like him. I have him one spot below consensus. He's number 10 for I mean consensus. It's by ADP, I guess. There's no consensus really in January. But William Contreras is who I have at number 11. I really like him, and I think he's fairly close to what you can expect uh, from from his brother. I think it's going to be a fairly similar stat line. The projections, you could flip them around. You'd hardly have, be able to tell which one is which. Both projected for 21 homers, both for a batting average in the 240s, both projected for 66 RBIs. Uh, you know, William, or excuse me, Wilson is projected for more runs in that lineup, but overall, uh, very, very similar projections. And I think, you know, Wilson is the guy that you're going to take being on a much better team, that he's more experienced, that we know he can do this year after year as opposed to his brother. That's why he is above in my rankings and, and most people's just because I think of the track record. William had a great stretch this season. He's going to be a number one catcher in Milwaukee. That's all good and fine. But we're also talking about essentially, you know, less than 100 games here where he shines. So, does it keep up? Hopefully it does, but there's also not that background, that track record to build on like there is with some of the guys we've talked about today. And that's always something that really is a huge factor for me, the background, the how many years they've been doing this for, are they on an upward trajectory, downward trajectory? A lot of things matter, but the fact that William Contreras has only done it one time for me uh, and not even a full season, it was less than 100 games, I'm a little bit skeptical about him. I still think he can be really good. But that's why I have him outside of the top 10, where he is a top 10. I mean, it's not a big difference here. He's 10th in, in the ADP rankings. I have him 11th. I just think that he's probably somebody that, you know, there is potential for a bit of a trap this season, just because we're going to expect the same numbers as he did last year. You know, Steamer's projecting him to do the same thing as his brother. I think you can comfortably have him like ADP is 25, 30, maybe even, <clears throat> maybe even a larger gap than that between uh, the Contreras brothers. So I'd probably say, you know, if, if Wilson is going to pick 100, William should be going 135 roughly, which is, it's not too far off from what we're seeing here. Uh, but William is definitely going to be a little bit farther down for me. It's good that he's going to be his own guy in Milwaukee. He's going to have a chance to catch pretty much every day. Maybe he DHs sometimes. That's good for him. There won't be a platoon going on. But he's also going to a worse team. He's going to a worse ballpark, and I don't think – I believe it's a worse ballpark. I'm not the greatest with, with the stat cast factors off the top of my head. I believe it's a bit worse. But overall, I'm going to have to say that he is being moved down uh, a little bit for me than he would have been probably, even if it was just the same situation as last year. Milwaukee is Milwaukee's really not going to be that great this year, I don't think. Their team is, is not the best. Uh, they have, over the last couple of years, kind of subtracted pieces. They've added a couple as well. But I don't think you can look at his place in that lineup and be that secure of the production that you're going to get. Yelich, Adamas, and Rowdy Telez above him. Jesse Winker, Luis Urias below him. It's not a terrible lineup. It's not great. But overall, it's definitely a downgrade. I would have much rather had him playing 
110 games in Atlanta than I would have him play 130 in in Milwaukee. It's pretty close actually at that point, but I would have I would have had him higher up in the rankings I think if he hadn't been traded, which might sound crazy, but you know, based on what he did last year in that lineup, if he'd stayed there, I would have been a little more secure in projecting him to do that again as opposed to finding himself again in a new destination. Danny Jansen is who I have at number 12 here. I think that he is going to have a really good year, assuming he is healthy, of course, which is always the question with Danny Jansen. How much is he going to play? And, you know, over the last couple of years, we haven't really seen a lot of him. 43 games in 2020, which you can't hold against him because it's, you know, only 60-game season. 2021 was 70 games. 2022 was 72 games. The most games he ever played was 2019. It was 107 of them. When he was out there this year, however, 15 home runs, 34 runs scored, 260 batting average, and a 140 WRC plus from Danny Jansen here in 72 games this season. Strikeout rate was at 17.7%, walk rate up over 10%. He was fantastic. Now, the reason I have him this low in my rankings, which, I mean, it's still it's still pretty high. Consensus has him at 13, and, you know, having him where I do at 12, I don't think it's much of a difference here. The reason why I have him lower is because I don't really know if we're going to see a healthy Danny Jansen. I don't think anybody knows if we're going to see it. We don't have to worry about the Gabriel Moreno factor anymore, about maybe Moreno's going to get some at-bats and, you know, three, four games a week for Jansen. We'll turn into three games a week or two games a week, whatever it is. We don't have to worry about that anymore. I think he's going to catch most of the time, assuming he's healthy. That's just the main factor for me. Is he going to be healthy? We don't know. We don't really know what to expect out of him. Assuming he can hit his projections for Steamer, like, they are excellent. If, if Steamer, like, let's just say Steamer was fact, then he would be, like, a top five catcher in baseball. By WRC+, plus, he is projected to be number four based on Steamer, behind Kirk, Rutschman, and Will Smith. That's how they're projecting it out. And, you know, I don't think he's going to get there, but if he does, if he plays 120 games, then you could see a serious, serious season from Danny Jansen. I want to rank him up higher. But, you know, there is part of me that knows I have to control my Toronto biases and also the fact that he's made a glass. He's been made a glass his whole career, and we're hoping for the best for him, obviously, especially myself as a Jays fan. But you also have to be realistic about it. He's not – he's probably not going to be healthy the entire season. And the fact that they have another catcher in Kirk means there will be times where he does get the day off, where somebody else is DHing, and there will be might be a couple games in a row where you don't see Jansen. So – I don't think that's going to make the biggest of deals down the stretch, but you know, all be all things being equal, Kirk is going to play a little bit more, and you know, you have to factor in everything when you're looking at an exercise like this. I think having Danny Jansen at number twelve makes the most sense for me here. I mean, you maybe you could you could argue that he is going to be above William Contreras. I think I'll still give Contreras the benefit of the doubt there, but it's close. Uh, it is pretty close. We're going to round it out to 15 today, so we're going to talk about three more catchers. This one is the one where I am probably the biggest difference from consensus. This guy is going as the 20th catcher based on ADP, and I have him at number 13, and that's Yasmani Grandal. And if some people might not be happy, not I don't think people really give a shit where I have people in my rankings, honestly, the more I think about it. Some people might disagree, but I think Yasmani Grandal is primed for a bounce-back season here. He was, he was dreadful last year. Like, no question he was dreadful last year, but he was also hurt. He didn't play the whole year. Uh, it was 99 games for him. The power was not there. Uh, he, was just, he was just bad. He was just flat-out bad, but we'd also never seen him quite that bad before. And considering he's only 34 years old, I'm not really ready to consider the fact that he's done. 
Uh, you know, maybe, you know, I mentioned earlier, Salvador Perez getting a little bit older, it worries me. It certainly doesn't help when players are aging. It takes away from their abilities, their obviously their natural agility and the rest of it. It doesn't help. But he's still fairly young in an excellent lineup where I don't think that we can look at one down season and write him off. Because look at the year before what he did in 93 games. Like he was absolutely insane in 2021. I don't think that's going to be the legit version of Grandall. But I think there's a good chance that we could see him bounce back to something kind of similar, you know, give you close to 20 home runs, you know, 20 home runs, 60 runs, uh, 60 RBIs. I think that he can do that. It won't be over 93 games, but if he can play what he had played some like similar numbers to earlier in his career, 110, even 115 games, I think you could see a 20, 60, 60 and 250, 240 season out of him. Maybe that's a little lofty out of me. They're projecting him on steamer for 90 games, 12 homers, 40 runs, 40 RBIs, and a 225. I think that they're being a little conservative with his value there. I still think we are going to see him playing pretty much every day. Maybe it won't be every single day, but I do still expect uh, to see Grandall get his at-bats in there in a great lineup and still and still have fantasy value. I think if you're able to get him where he's going at ADP as the 20th catcher off the board, then you're going to get a pretty decent value there. But for me, for right now, like he's still projected to be in that starting lineup as the starting catcher. He's projected about seventh, and I think there's a chance we could even see him bat higher. Like I would flip-flop him and Yohan Moncada, probably have him bat fifth. I still think there is a chance that we see a great season out of him. So for me, having him at 13, it felt very natural. I you know, I debated having him a little bit lower, like the guy below him. I, I thought about it. But overall, uh, I felt pretty good with Yasmani Grandal here at number 13. Number 14, Kyle Raleigh. And the big dumper, I believe I'm a little bit lower on him than consensus. Let me take a look at where he's going in uh, ADP. I think I'm a touch lower. Uh, let's see. He is number 12 based on ADP. Yeah, so it's not really much of a difference. I'm a little bit lower. I look at him. And I see Mike Zanino from a year prior. And I worry that we are going to expect big things and and get nothing. And we I know the expectations are going to be kind of a little bit lower in general because we're talking about a guy who is a catcher. He has a horrible batting average. It was kind of one year of him really flourishing. But I still think he's being drafted a little bit too high. And maybe it is just the fact that Mike Zanino kind of burned us the year prior. Similar kind of player where he's given you a ton of home runs with a shitty batting average. But I, I don't think that Kyle Raleigh should be taken quite as high as he is being taken. Now, the fact that catcher is scarce is obviously a factor. That's why he is going in the top whatever it is, 170 picks. My computer's been really bad with switching between tabs recently. He's going to pick 158. Uh, in terms of the draft champion ADP in December, minimum of 124, maximum 188. There's no way I would take him with a minimum of 124. He's somebody who sells out for power, so he's going to give you some home runs, but he's also probably not going to give you that much else besides that. Like Maybe he can give you some decent counting stats, but I, I think that they are projecting a little bit too much out of him in terms of steamer here. 61 runs, 73 RBIs. They're expecting a big increase in both those categories from last year. The team is very good, but the team is not that much better than last year where I would expect that much of an increase. You know, six run or whatever it is. Actually, it's 15 runs they're expecting and uh, a 10 RBI increase as well. So it's, I think it's probably a little bit too much. The team will be a little bit better, but not that much better where it'll be like, you know, to that extent, they, they should be pretty good. 
But Cal Raleigh is not somebody where I would expect him to repeat that kind of season. Maybe he does, but even if he does, I still think this is a relatively safe place to have him ranked. I don't think that he's going to necessarily be that much better than anybody that we have above him on this list, even if he reaches his full potential, which would be something similar to what they're projecting. I think what they're projecting here, and again, this is my beef sometimes with projections. Sometimes it looks like a best-case scenario, and this is pretty much a best-case scenario if he goes 26, 61, 73, and 224 and steals a couple bags to boot. Like I think that that's absolutely the best case that you can see happen for him, and I just don't really expect it to happen. So I still think he's going to give you like 20 homers, 50 runs, 55, 60 RBIs, and you know the, the the bad batting average or relatively bad batting average. He was better in the minors. He had some good seasons in the minors, but in the majors, he's been a 202 hitter through 166 games. Can't have crazy high expectations, maybe 220, 225 roughly, which is where Steamer has him. I'm just not going to be pushing him up quite as much as I've seen some other people do it. So a uh, pass on him at number 12 in terms of catchers, and I think in terms of ADP here as well, uh, it just feels a little bit too high to be paying a top, almost a top 150 pick for him at this point. Now, one more catcher we are going to talk about today. There was a couple of guys that I did project, or project, not uh, talked about anyway, uh, putting into this number 15 spot. But I ended up with Kybert Ruiz. Kybert Ruiz is the guy that I have at number 15, and it's mostly because he gives you a little bit of everything. And that's what he is projected to do uh, this season for you. Let me just pull it up here. I, like I said, I'm having a bit of trouble like switching between tabs on my computer. I think I may need a new computer. But anyway, um, his projections, according to Steamer, 16 homers, 55 runs, 61 RBIs, and a 263 batting average. That's pretty solid if he is able to give you that. That is, you know, four category production. And they're also projecting four steals from him, which was definitely plus for a catcher. This year, he was disappointing. No question. We were expecting better than what we got out of him. 112 games, which for a catcher, it's pretty close to a full season. He only hit seven homers. He drove in 36, but he batted 251. So he was still a relative plus for you in the batting average category as a catcher. In terms of... The home runs, he was hitting more of them in the minor leagues. I think you give him another year to adjust to major league pitching. You know, that seven should easily turn into at least 12 or 13. Counting stats, I don't expect him to jump up the way that Steamer does. I think that it's probably going to be fairly similar to what we saw last year. You know, maybe he touches 50 and 50. Because last year, I mean, 33 and 36 for runs and RBIs. Over 112 games, like that's atrocious. Washington is just that bad, though. Uh, I think he's going to get a little better, mind you, but I wouldn't be expecting crazy jumps like Steamer is here for him. I still think he's going to be a, a fair value, and I think it's the 50th catcher off the board. He's about the last guy that I'm really comfortable with uh, taking as my like, – if we're talking like a one-catcher league, he's probably pretty pretty close to the last guy I'd be acceptable uh, to taking there. Like amenable to amenable to taking there jesus i am getting a little tired i guess at this point i recorded this podcast the same day as the previous day's podcast because i'm busy on friday when you guys listen to this so recording one after the other i guess it's uh, starting to wear down here as we reach the end of the episode but gabriel moreno is the guy that i thought maybe i'd put at 15 but still don't know if he's going to start what the situation is with him uh logan ohoppy i also debated in that spot jonah heim eh, maybe i'm not huge on him Travis Darno is currently in that 15 spot in terms of ADP data. 
but I just don't see him playing quite as much now with Sean Murphy being there, a much more established. Well, I mean, Darno is established, but I think we can all agree that Sean Murphy at this point in his career is a better catcher than Darno. I think he's going to suffer more so with playing time than he would have if it was just William Contreras there. So Darno is going to be in the next group of catchers, uh, probably. So he'll be somewhere around. He'll still be in the top twenty, uh, but I didn't want to put him at fifteen. I think the top fifteen we've got here is pretty solid. We'll put it in the show notes as well for you guys to take a look at. And there will be an article talking about a little bit of this stuff. Although if you've listened to the podcast, this is essentially what the article is going to be talking about. I hope you guys go click it out. Go click it out. Go click on it and check it out at sportsethos.com anyway. But we'll just run through it one more time here. Just list them off. JT Real Muto is first in my rankings, followed by Dalton Varsho, Will Smith, Alejandro Kirk, Adley Rutschman, Salvador Perez, Wilson Contreras, MJ Melendez, Tyler Stevenson, Sean Murphy, William Contreras, Danny Jansen, Yasmany Grandal, Cal Raleigh, and finally, Cabert Ruiz. Guys, that's going to wrap it up for me. We're going to be doing, I think, one of these per week. Likely, I want to space them out a little bit as I do it and thinking about the way the timing works. That's probably pretty perfect. Uh, we'll do one of these per week. And there might be some updates if there's trades or if there's signings or whatever. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for continuing to listen throughout the off season. I've actually seen a lot of you guys start to come back. I know there were some people who stopped listening to baseball podcasts in October and November. Completely understandable. I cut a couple out of my rotation as well. I stopped listening to some of them because it's just, you need, need a bit of a break from baseball, right? I absolutely understand it. But now I've seen you guys over these last couple of weeks really start to come back. Specifically this last week, we had one of our best weeks ever for downloads. So I really appreciate that. Uh, hit the subscribe button before you guys click out of the podcast so you get them every single day into your feed. Maybe you can't listen one day, but you still get the recording there uh, right in your feed. And you also help out with us uh, getting some more downloads. So I really appreciate that. Uh, you guys can follow us over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 at Ethos Fantasy BB. And of course, if you guys could leave a nice rating or review on your way out the door, we'd really appreciate that. Guys, send me any questions you may have, questions, comments, or concerns about this podcast, the rankings, anything else. But other than that, I hope you guys have a great weekend, and we'll see you again for part two here on Monday. Cheers, everybody. Take care. <laughs>